Hello and welcome to the next episode of Retrovaniacs, the only podcast about 80s and 90s video games that sounds like it was recorded on equipment that was old in the 80s and 90s. I'm Jeremy Parmentier. I'm one of the hosts of the show, and I have to already make a retraction from last show. I'm not going to go by JP because I've never gone by JP, and I never remember that it's me. So if you hear me saying Jeremy, I clearly mean the other Jeremy. And if the other Jeremy says Jeremy, he clearly means me. So only Billy is going to be in trouble. So let me go ahead and introduce the other hosts of the show. Uh, first, Billy. And I've got to say right off the start, I, I didn't think you were cool enough to be called JP anyway. It really it was too weird. And the other host of the show, Jeremy Gregory. Hey there. I am also here as well. See, all three of us being here does make the show far better than when we try to record this all separately and tape it together. So That's right. Uh, if you did listen last week, uh, thank you for coming back. I hope all the audio problems we had last week are much smoother. Uh, hopefully there's none of those pops we had. The volume should be a little more even. And I hopefully sound a little more natural. I think the beginning of the show we sounded a little rough. But by the end of the show, it sounded good. It sounded like we weren't just awkwardly talking at each other from across the country. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, we've, we've got a whole podcast here to go. So, I mean, there's, there's still plenty of time for awkwardness here. Oh, I guarantee it. I, I'm going to dive in first with some awkwardness. Uh, since the last show, um, I tried out the Splatoon group demos before it came out live. I don't know if either of you guys tried that for the Wii U, but it is... Uh, I didn't buy the game, not because I didn't like it, but I tried for an hour to get on during the, the test demo, and I got to play one game that was three minutes long, and everyone else apparently has been playing this the entire time because I did worse at that than I've ever done at any multiplayer game. Um, but it's, it was an interesting I, I, yeah, game. I don't know. I didn't really get to try it myself. Um, well, I did a little bit, but not like to any length or anything like that. But uh, what I played was kind of fun. It was different. I'll give it that. And I didn't get to play a single bit of it uh, for some reason. I think they scheduled. I don't like this whole, you know, the timed demo thing. It's not there for you 24 hours a day. There are certain times. And it always coincided with my work schedule. Uh, I was never able to play it. Interested, though. It, I mean, I understand why they did it, not just to give everyone a taste of the game to try to sell it, but it helped them test their servers live. They didn't have to come out with a game that day one doesn't work because they didn't plan on the servers going heavy. So if you say, hey, it's only going to be an hour, you know, a, a huge portion of your audience is going to try it. So you have an, an immediate server test that also happens to be a free demo everyone can try. Uh, it, and I think it, it probably worked out well for them. I know a couple of people that have bought the full game and, and have enjoyed it. They said the server problems are really non-existent. I mean, there's still occasionally hang-ups, but generally it's not bad. Uh, but I could say the same thing about Mario Kart. I've had a couple random Mario Kart 8 games that have disconnected, you know, three races in. But generally, I'd say it, the multiplayer on it's pretty seamless. So I, I'm not sure if I'm going to get it or not yet. I know that there's only one multiplayer mode in right now. I don't know if I like that model. Uh, I guess if I had to pick between buying a game now for $60 and getting pieces of it over the next three months or, or buying a game for $10 and then paying $10 for each new piece, I think I prefer the $60, but I'm not still sure I'm sold on it. Is it a full price game? I, I thought for some reason it was coming out at, at forty or something like that. But is it really like sixty bucks? It's, it's for, fifty nine ninety nine at Target at least. I, I didn't look online, but oh man, that's that's a little bit too much for a game that's just not really being released all the way. It seems like they're just kind of rolling it out over the summer, which 
is a neat idea, but I kind of want the entire game when I'm paying 60 bucks for it up front. Well, and, and then some of the single-player content you only unlock if you buy additional $13 plastic figurines. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I have not bought it yet, but I'm sure next episode I'll talk about how I bought it, and I've been playing it nonstop. But uh, what have you been playing, Billy? Anything since last time other than the game we're going to talk about today? Oh, I can hardly put down the game we're going to talk about today. But other than that, <laughs> I, I gave that, that Wolf Among Us a try. Uh, I really like the Telltale, you know, the Walking Dead series they put out. And I gave this one a try, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, my wife played along with me. I, you know, did the controlling, and she picked the choices. And I found out you learn a lot of things otherwise you didn't know about your significant other if you play a game like this with them. Such as apparently my wife thinks that uh, saying fuck off and punching people is adequate conversation. But we played <laughs> through that, and then... I went on a PS3 game buying haul over the last year or two, and then I moved on to the PS4, so I never went back. I've been making an effort to kind of knock that backlog out. So I sat down and played uh, those Mad Hazard games over the last couple of weeks. Why? Why did you do this? Why did you do this to yourself? I don't care much for myself, Jeremy. <laughs> I don't care much at all. What kind of games is Mad Hazard? I've never played Mad Hazard. It sounds like it's... Uh, it, actually, no, that's... What's Danger? What's his name? The one that's like a, a bike game. But that's not it, is it? No. You would be so lucky. <laughs> this one, uh, the, gimmick, oh, the, the gimmick pulled me in. You play like an 80s action video game. So you know you're a video game character, essentially. And the point is, the leader uh, or the owner of the corporation that makes the games has a grudge against you because as a child, your games were the only ones he could not beat. So he's seen fit to somehow delete you by killing you within the game. And you travel through all these stereotypes of old 80s video games. And it's just horrible. Second one, uh, horrible also. <laughs> You're really selling these. Well, thankfully, we're not going to talk about those this week, other than that you've wasted your time playing them. So hopefully next week you'll pick up something better. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Jeremy? Oh, man, what have I been playing? I, I've actually not had too much time to play much of anything, but um, what I did kind of get some time to play was The Witcher 3, and I uh, picked that up on PS4, and I'm not too far into it. I'm still not out of the starter area, which it's you know kind of hard to call it a starter area when it lasts you know 15 to 20 hours, but I'm, I'm still in that area, but I really like it. Uh, it it's, it's a really great role-playing game, and uh, if you're kind of a fan of those open worlds, especially like Red Dead Redemption, it actually reminds me of that a lot. Uh, if you're a fan of that, definitely maybe check out The Witcher 3. It's it's actually pretty cool. I tried to get into The Witcher 2, and I just felt really stupid the whole time. Like, I think they throw so much at you at the beginning of that game that I just, I was, I felt like I was playing it like a child, like I was using one button to do everything, and I was just dying repeatedly. I just was Yeah, not no, that, that game is completely unintuitive. I've, I played probably about three-fourths of the way through of it, through it, and... Never really kind of got into it, never got the whole combat down, but uh, this one's much more pick up and play. Uh, it's, it's, you know, if, if the Witcher games before have put you off on The Witcher, uh, I would still check out The Witcher 3 because it, it's just that good of a game. So far, anyway, for the starter area. Well, everyone that's going to run out now and buy The Witcher, just hold up. Don't buy The Witcher yet because we have this <laughs> right. week's game, which is going to blow The Witcher out of the water. This is uh, true. Last week we talked about a Super Nintendo game, Axley. This week, as we announced at the end of last show, we're going to cover the NES classic, Low G-Man.
Oh, I want to start off by saying, of course, we, we talked about how we're picking these games. We each kind of made our list that we're randomly drawing from. I feel like I have to take ownership and responsibility. Uh, this one was mine, and I want to publicly apologize <laughs> to both of you. Uh, you, you. You may not have to apologize yet, but uh, by the end of the episode, you definitely will have to write some apologies, uh, maybe record in a video apologizing to us. Yes. Uh, this one... It's not a bad game. At least it's not a bad game by every piece of it. I, I've tried to understand why I don't like it. And there's a lot of things in it that I think are, are good ideas. But as a whole, maybe it tries to do too much. I don't know. It ends up being really, really boring. Oh, it certainly drags on. And I think you guys, uh, I don't know, how far did everybody, how far did we get through on this thing? I have to, unfortunately, say I tapped out pretty early. There are five levels, I guess, five worlds in the game, and I made it to 1-3, the first boss, and angrily swore I'd never play this game again. Uh, I made it to the end of the ice, ice world, the, the, the big boss that's kind of underwater for that one, and I, I could not beat him, and, and that was where I finally just I couldn't go any further. Well, I don't know if it's with uh, pride or shame, but I, I powered through the very end of this one that's two for two for you billy <laughs> i've got a lot of time lately <laughs> if these were man challenges you'd win both of them so far oh yeah the manliest man of us all <laughs> so before we get into how far we got and, and why exactly we did or didn't like it uh first off the the background story to this game is is mind-blowing i mean i when you turn the game on i actually wrote it down because it's it's the most in-depth video game story of all time I, too, have written it down. Here, here's the text, and I'll, I'm sure I will play the music while I'm reading this, because it's quite impressive. It was a robot-producing exploration planet like any other. Large cities, beautiful sunsets, but then they came. We'll send in a low-G man. That's it. That's all you got to work from. That was what, really more do you, what more do you need? <laughs> did anyone happen to look up the actual instruction manual? No. No, I did not. I wish I did. I broke my own rules and did look up the instruction manual, and I'll get into why in a little bit. But in the instruction manual, there's like a two-and-a-half-page story that makes a lot more sense than what we just read out. Uh, the, the, the actual story is that it's, it's a planet that produces robots to do exploration. It sends them out into the, the galaxy, and apparently they're found by aliens who then reprogram the robots to turn on humanity. And the only hope is the low G-men. And they send you yourself to go to the home planet of the aliens as the best low-G man. Uh, low-G stands for low gravity because your character can jump really high. Uh, although, for most NES games, it's really not that high. I think every game is a, is a G-man when you look at it that way. Because you're not jumping so high that it's impressive, at least not at the early stages. Maybe later on you're the king of jumping real high, but not as far as I got. You, you definitely get more power-ups uh, for your, your low G. Uh, and at some point, I was jumping probably about two screens high. Um, so that was, I guess, I never really figured out what power-up did that or, or made me jump higher. But um, it, you can actually get to where you jump pretty high. Well, yeah, and the back of the box does uh, proudly state that in this, one of the features of this game is the fact that you can jump one and three-fourths screen high. Well, I didn't make it that far. Uh, <laughs> to see that I was jumping that high. Uh, it was definitely a high-jumping game. It wasn't one where I thought, well, this is dumb. I'm not even jumping very high. It definitely earned the, the, the ability to say that you jump high, but I, I wasn't that blown away by it. Um, 
The, the actual gameplay is a, is a standard for the 8-bit area side-scrolling game. Uh, it actually, for some reason, reminded me of Ninja Gaiden a lot, uh, even though it, it plays nothing like it whatsoever. Maybe it's the animation or, or just the size of everything, but it felt like that. Um, I think the first level hurts this game immensely because it's literally as the boring level as you've ever seen. Yes, yes, totally. You, you walk to the right slowly. You fight one enemy at a time, of which there were only like six enemies in the whole game as far as I got, uh, with no variance whatsoever on what they do. And then you get to a boss that, that is not impressive by any means uh, after killing about six guys, and then you go to the second level. I think that, that doesn't help you sell how exciting this game is where you can jump all over the place when you're on a flat plane. No, and it, it also took me, this is one reason I wish I actually looked up the instructions. It took me a good minute to figure out that I was actually not killing people by shooting my gun at them. I was just freezing them. I uh, had no idea that I actually had a javelin that I could use. So uh, once I figured that out, then I think I, I kind of, you know, it, it was a little bit better. But yeah, that first stage is just so, so goddamn boring. Well, yeah, the, the javelin certainly, it opens it up because it, as you said early on, it's the only way. Uh, you shoot them with the freeze gun, they're going to come back. Uh, the javelin's the only way to kill them. My only trouble with the, the mechanics with it, you can only use it straight up and straight down. No side to side or any such thing. Right, and, and so, so basically the, as you're running to the right or the left, I guess if you felt like turning around, but as you run to the right, you would, you would fire your regular gun, which is a freeze ray. It turns the enemies blue after one or two hits, and then you can hit them with your with your javelin, which is the same attack button, but you push up or down to use the attack button, or, you know, to use the javelin with the same button you'd shoot with. So it is not intuitive at all. I, that, that's the reason I had to get the instruction manual. I'm sitting there shooting the same guy over and over again, and nothing was dying. I couldn't right. figure out how to use another weapon because you're talking about a two-button configuration. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, after I killed one guy, they dropped the, you know, they, one of the guys dropped, like, another weapon, and I thought, oh, great, this is where I get a fireball or something. And, yeah, yeah, you I get, the like, exact two same shots thing. of it. Yeah, totally. Like, oh, man, two shots of a fireball that doesn't do that much damage at all. This is not what I thought I was going to do. So, so eventually, essentially, the basic gameplay is you, you freeze guys with your regular gun and then try to find a way to, to either jump up and hit them or jump on top of them and stab downwards, which also is bad because almost everything drops items when you kill them. Most of the items seem to do... They either give you those, there's, there's four like optional weapons, a fireball, a boomerang, uh, and then two weapons that I didn't see as far as I got, but it's like a wave and a bomb. I don't know if those are very good, but I say the fireball is garbage, and the boomerang is even hotter garbage, and I would never, ever recommend using it. Unless, unless I'm using it wrong, but as far as I saw, the boomerang is totally worth it. I didn't really, they, they give you those special weapons in, in such limited number that I never use them. I mean, I'm one of those people that when I get a special weapon, I always save it because I always think there's going to be something that I need like, you know, 99 of these things for. Um, but even when I had a few saved up or, or I thought I had a few saved up, uh, I was still, you know, I only had like 10 or 11 up. They barely did any, any damage at all. So it was always better for me just to use the regular, regular weapon and the spear. Yeah, I'll go ahead. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Uh, it seems like the all end. the power-ups you get, you pretty much want to hold on to and essentially save them for the absolute last boss fight is the only time any of them come into play whatsoever. In fact, I, I think it's probably necessary that you have them going into that fight. So that means that you can't continue, because if you continue, you lose all those items. 
So that means you beat the game by getting all the way through. That's it. I mean, you got to go through all the way. Because, yeah, if you utilize the password feature, uh, which is heralded on the front of the box, you, you do lose your entire inventory. And like I said, when I got to the final boss, if I didn't have those special weapons, I'm not quite sure what I would have done. Because you're having to attack up and down, and you're also having to attack side to side. And I don't think the freeze gun really does much of anything. So yeah, I made it to, uh, like I said, the, the the third part of the first world. So there's, you know, level one, one is that straight straight side of the level, and level one, two is is a more standard level where you can actually go up and down, and that's the first time you get to to use an opponent's vehicle, I think. Um, but essentially, there's a couple guys that I, you can kill. They're in walkers, like uh, look um, another Ed two hundred nine sort of walker. And yeah, he's if right you, there. If you kill them, then then you can take them over. Uh, those allow you to, to jump high as well, plus fire like a, a series of bullets, um, you know, it, kind of in a spread in front of you. However, you can't shoot up or down, which is a pain since some of those enemies come straight down on top of you, and all you can do is get hit over and over again while you try to jump and hit them. You know, that's okay, though, because later on you get that terrible flying machine that can shoot bombs, but they only go basically straight up and then straight back down. Uh, so it's almost just as garbage as that walker is. I, I did get that as well. That's the hovercrafts kind of vehicle. Also, right, on that yeah. case, in order to hover, you have to keep pushing the jump button to do little boosts up yes. in the air while you're shooting these bombs that, that are, you're not even shooting them. You're essentially just lobbing them like lobbing. baseballs yeah. um, underhanded in front of you, and they hit nothing of value, and they're, it, it's a pretty terrible vehicle. Also, I don't understand why... In in the second level, there's the first time you see there's people you're supposed to save that are stuck in these cages, and you can hit them with any of the vehicle weapons and nothing happens. Nothing. Yeah. But if you if you lose your vehicle by either either getting out of it on purpose by hitting select or just getting hit enough, uh, you can just walk up to it and hit it with a freeze ray, which makes no sense at all since it's a freeze ray and it breaks them right out of that uh, right out of their cage. Um, yeah, you actually have to you know if you if you're actually doing good with the uh, the the uh, vehicle that you're in, you have to destroy that to get out of it. You can't just spawn that back uh, to say, you know, after you've saved those guys. So that, that was kind of strange to me. And it didn't really seem like it was worth saving those guys. Anyway, they just give you another little thing to pick up, which I'd never, again, never figured out what half of those icons do when, when people drop them. But uh, that seems to be the only thing they ever do for you. drop i i don't know what half of them are but i did realize that there's a blue it looks kind of like a potion vial that drops down that fills your health up now there's a red one and i, I haven't encountered this in many games there is a health down power up that drops yes, out yes. Of enemies. it looks like the same as the blue vial but it's a red vial 
Yes. And, and I realized after a couple times that I was dying when I took it, so I looked in the instruction manual, which is why I looked it up to begin with, to figure out what these items are and what they do. And essentially, the only bad item is that red potion item. But it seems that half the guys drop those. So if your mm-hmm. attack method, which was mine, was just to freeze them and then jump on top of them and stab them in the downwards motion, half the time you're getting hit immediately with the red, the red bottle pickup. Yes, and I, I don't know if you got this far to see it, uh, Jeremy, but uh, later on in the game there's actually just this really asshole boss that does nothing but drop red potions down on top of you. And, and that's really his only attack is to jump on the ceiling and dr- just constantly drop red potions down on top of you just to make that even worse. It's, it's such a pile of shit. Well, the, the other power-ups seem to be there's one that looks like a, a bat head. I don't know what it's supposed to be, but I thought it was a bat head. And that's blue, and that makes your weapon power up, your regular freeze ray, I think up to level 3, where it, instead of coming out in a straight line, you come out like in, a, in two shots that one's angled up, and I think the third one, the third shot's angled down. So you're, you're shooting like a spread of the freeze gun as you power up with the bat heads. And then there's another red bat head. I think that makes your spear stronger. And then there's one that's just points, and there's another item that looks like... Um, I think it's supposed to be a belt. I'm not sure what it is, but that's what makes your jump higher. It looks like a, almost like military bars, like, like a V, like a V with a dot on the bottom. But that's what makes your jump higher. And I'm not sure what that's supposed to be, but I would never figure that out on my own because none of it's labeled at all, and none of it makes it. Why does a bat head make your gun stronger? I don't know. No, it's it's all kind of just super unintuitive. With with, I mean, just about everything you kill is going to pop one of those little icons out, and it, it's just kind of overload because there's just there's just so many of them, and especially that health down, which naturally you're gonna go, you're gonna gravitate to the red health potion. That's what every NES game ever did, and so I, I didn't realize that was actually taking my my health down forever because that was I just figured that's giving me health. But there's just so many icons. It's, it's just ridiculous how many, how many stupid things they give you. And the problem with the health down, even after uh, I had uh, realized what it was doing, uh, your instinct when, uh, when there's some kind of drop of some sort, it's just uh, you pick the damn thing up. So I was still picking these things up and kicking myself for it immediately after, all throughout the game. Thankfully for me, my game didn't go much farther than this. I got through this level, the, the one, one, two, I guess, and got to the first real boss fight, which they called cleverly Metal Head, because you're supposed to jump up and stab him in his metal head. I was actually kind of impressed by the boss at first, except that the mechanics are incredibly frustrating. He basically, he's a couple screens high, and you have to jump inside of what's like a big metal body with gears in it, uh, freeze some panels to jump on until you can jump up to the top of his head, and then... I just dodged these like circle things over and over again that were coming at me in a slow fashion until I could jump on top of his head, stab him down once, and then dodge these circles again. Because I couldn't figure out how to kill those other than let them hit me. Uh, the only way I saw to actually kill them was to kind of glitch the game. And uh, once you're at the top of the screen, uh, jump up so that the uh, screen scrolls up. And if one of those balls happened to be below the screen as it scrolls up when it scrolls back down they won't be there anymore and they won't respond so that was the only way i saw to actually get rid of them 
I think that is it, and that's actually a strategy that uh, you end up utilizing for several boss fights throughout the game, especially at the very end. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I probably, I, I admittedly didn't spend that much time playing this because I didn't enjoy it anyway. And after I got to this boss, which actually was today, the first time I got past 1-2 was today, and I, I tried that boss for about 20 minutes, died over and over again, and said, this is it. I'm going to let everyone else handle the rest of this game because it's not fun. It's a chore. There's, there's nothing to enjoy about this game for me. At all. I, I can see how I would like the concepts. I like the idea that you freeze guys and then use another weapon to kill them. And I like that you can jump up and use your spear if you want to, if you can, if you can control it well enough to hit all the things that fly at you. That, those are all neat, and the items you pick up are cool. I like that you can use the vehicles, except that the vehicles are not, not fun to use, but I like that you can use them. But I just I could not get into this game at all. I tried to, to uh, you know, really... When I first when we first said we were going to do, it, I was like, "Oh, this is great! It's a game I haven't played before. It's it looks like it's a lot of fun, and I just I could not get into it." I, I'm kind of surprised that we've got this far into this podcast <clears throat> and not actually mentioned just how janky this game moves. Uh, it feels like it is uh, somebody has uh, one of those NES controllers that has uh, the slowdown button on it or the slow motion button, and it just seems like it is constantly on in this game. It it, it just moves so. Choppily, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to describe uh, unless it, you play it, but it's so weird. It never feels right at all. Yeah, it's it's the animation. I thought it was animated weird to the point where, uh, admittedly, I did not have the cart for this, so I was playing this uh, through other means, and I thought it's just that I'm not using the official cartridge. You know, like I figured this was just a poor a poor version of this experience. But no, apparently, all versions of this game play exactly like this. Oh, they all play shitty all around. And the problem is, in later levels, and this is almost where I called it quits, uh, the game decides it wants, just for a brief period of time, to be a legitimate platformer. And there's a lot of really precise jumps that have to be made. And uh, you're in a tight corridor. There's enemies shooting at you, and you have to pull off these jumps. And I've found with just how slow it moves and how kind of unresponsive it can be at times, that's probably the longest stretch I spent on one area. Just kind of the games, it's just not made for that. I don't know what it's made for. Not for enjoyment. <laughs> so I, I, since I didn't make it past the first world, I did go on YouTube and look up the other levels just so I could at least, at least see if the game, maybe after the first world it really opens up and becomes another amazing game. But it looks to me like the exact same thing every level. Different, different backgrounds, but, but it looks like the game never really enhances itself. It's always the exact same game. Yeah, and I'll I'll give it you know that it's got a good a decent variety and and just you know every every other world looks you know really kind of strange and, and neat looking but uh, it it just kind of plays the same the the whole way through as as far as I could tell it does not much changes I found a lot of the enemies just kind of get their you know they get the palette swapped out uh, you go to the ice world and same enemies from the first couple stages are back only they're you know they're white now and that continues just kind of throughout. They did try. Uh, each each little stage does have its own thing going for it. I mean, you go from mountaintop to a volcano, ice world, submarine. Just uh, it still manages to just be kind of bland altogether. Well, yeah, the whole I will game. say that I really really enjoyed the the whole aesthetic of the game, uh, especially later on in the game. It, it gets really really weird looking uh, that you just really didn't see back a lot on the NES. There's a uh, there's this one stage where you're, it's a vertically scrolling stage, and by the time you get to the very top and fight the boss, there's like this crazy just alien in the background just looking at you. And I, I, there's little things like that here and there that 
uh, it's just a neat looking game uh, to me, but it wasn't enough to keep me playing or, you know, to really keep my interest. Well, and like I said earlier, I think I think if I would have had this game when I was you know, 12, I would have put the time into it to really learn how to play it better. And, and I would maybe, you know, be today talking about how great this game is and how well it's held up. But I think the, the benefit for me not playing it before is that I can say without a doubt it is not holding up well. It is not a game I would recommend to anyone to play who has not played it previously. Uh, there are many better versions of, of this kind of game. Uh, on the NES, almost anything by Konami, you can pick any of those games, and it's a far better version of this game. I uh, yeah, I just I I never even saw this as a kid. Never heard of it. Nothing. Nothing in the magazines or anything. And I only actually heard of it in the last four or five years from everybody calling it this kind of uh, looked over NES classic. And so I was super excited to play it this time. And it's just not good it's not a good game <laughs> i don't know where this you know the, it must be you know the nostalgia and everything like that but it just comes off as just a bad game to me i, I don't know and and this was my one of my picks because i really enjoyed this one uh as i mean we're talking about as a child though nine ten years old and you know back with this was something back then uh, you didn't have many games like this i rented it a few times i actually purchased this game also uh but looking back playing it now i could see maybe as a kid that i enjoyed it i just can't stand it now uh nostalgia doesn't win at any points with me great back then almost unplayable nowadays i think i could have actually really liked it as a kid too Uh, i think if i would have rented it over the weekend uh it, it would have gave me enough time and patience to kind of play through this and and give it a chance, um, but you know, as an adult, and, and just seeing how it is and how it moves, and uh, just it's kind of the same thing over and over and over. I I just could couldn't get into it at all. I think you have to have that youthful enthusiasm. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Now, when you're older, you, you when you're playing this, you see the seconds of your life ticking away. Yep. yep. You did get to the end and beat it. So does, is there any point, even at the, like, the last boss, where you're finally like, this is where the game really was going to? Um, you know, for me, it just seemed like it was story-wise and everything. Like, yep, you just, you're just one man versus an army, and that's it. And I got to the first boss, and I was like, there's no reason for him to be a giant metal head, but who cares? Uh, d- does anything come together at any point? They start to rein it in, maybe uh, the last several levels. You actually start to you board the mothership and you're kind of on the alien planet the last you know last few levels and you eventually fight i guess the the mother brain of all the aliens and that's the the final boss so yeah eventually it's not just you fighting a random assortment of enemies they kind of tie it together there towards the end but it's still just not very enjoyable I thought the last boss looked pretty cool from what I saw on uh, watching a, a playthrough of it. I, I thought that one looked pretty cool. The last boss is, and the last boss is the only one that you have to really use a strategy for. Like I said, this is where you, I don't see how you can do it without the power-ups that you unknowingly were supposed to hoard the entire game and not use. Uh, 
you have to destroy like these tentacles on the sides and you have to destroy the middle with using the javelin. But the sides, you have to have the power-ups. And it's the only boss that really utilizes the, the whole jumping thing that the game's pretty much you know, based upon. And that was my big problem with it. They made a big deal, you know, you can jump such and such high, two screens high, but nothing really ever takes advantage of it. And I found that all the boss fights always just confine you in these really tight areas where the, the jump is pretty much, you know, it's out of the question. It's, it's pretty useless. So uh, the last boss fight was excellent. It's well enough, but it's kind of too little too late. Now that was actually something that, that really pissed me off about that, about this game was, uh, it, it was supposed to be low G, man. You are supposed to be low G. And there were so many times in this game that it just confines you to, to not being able to jump more than like 15 feet, uh, especially with the uh, the smaller bosses. Uh, it, it, like, who? why would you make this game where you're supposed to be able to jump 50 feet in the air and just confine people the entire time? Well, the, oh. the only boss I got to, if you tried to jump up the sides, there are spikes everywhere on the sides, so you would just immediately yeah. kill yourself over and over again. And then and then to go in the middle of the boss the way I guess you're supposed to, yeah, it's a bunch of little jumps around uh, while you dodge these little circle things. Again, you're not using any of the abilities that is why your character was sent, so it just doesn't make any sense. But um, I, I also just didn't care. I, at that point, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm either missing something or this just clearly isn't any fun. Yeah, that's. I, I was literally trying to make myself see what what everybody was was raving about this game about. I, I just thought I was maybe missing something, but uh, once I figured out my strat, the best strategy I had through most of these stages was to just ignore the enemies and run past them because I got so tired of trying to kill them. I, I don't think that's a good game. And the the run I watched, I watched a, uh, a couple of clips of it that were, I guess, a speed run, but someone had done it level by level, and it was the same. They were they were just avoiding everything if they didn't have to kill it and getting to the end in about two minutes. Maybe I would like the game more if that was what I was aiming for, just trying just to get to the boss as fast as possible as opposed to try. You know, I took my time and killed everything, and it just felt monotonous and slow and, and not, not hard as much as it was annoying. You know, when you're actually avoiding playing the game, I don't think the game is doing something right. Except for Super Meat Boy. Yeah, true. Yep. So I think we're all unanimous. We would not recommend this. You know, as as a weird kind of, uh, you know, NES relic that is of its time and only of its time, I would maybe tell people to, you know, kind of play it and, and just, just to experience it. Play play the first level, get killed at the end, never play it again. But no, I would I would not recommend this game to anybody that would was seriously wanting to play the entire the entire game. I have one little bit to add to it. I said that I played through the entire game. I'm slightly incorrect. You find out there's a big reveal at the end that there are hidden levels in this game. As if the ones you played weren't enough. There are two oh, hidden yeah, levels. Oh yeah, I was going to mention that, yeah. Two hidden levels throughout this game. And it finishes up by telling you you're not done yet. The game has just begun. And uh, it was at this point that I was in a near cold sweat. <laughs> I turned it off and uh, it took everything I had not to go hunt down these hidden levels just for the sake of completion. But I'm proud to admit, I sat it down. I probably won't play it again. I recommend, if you are even interested in the slightest, just uh, watch it on YouTube. It's good enough. Well, now I want to play to see these other two levels. Are, are they supposed to be amazing levels? 
Well, it's it's pretty crazy because they actually, you know, it's it's in the ending, you know, where it's showing you the the whole ending sequence and everything. And towards the end of it, it goes, you know, did you find these two levels? And it actually shows you like a couple of little black and white pictures of what the levels are. And I don't know if it kind of shows you where you can find those or anything like that. But just the fact that it shows you that there are hidden levels in the game that you didn't find was was kind of cool. Yeah, that's actually that's that's very cool. And, and unfortunately, I'll never see them unless I find them online because there's no chance I play this to even find those levels. Does it even tell you where they are or anything? No, it, gets, it just kind of shows. Oh, go ahead, Billy. Go ahead. It actually it drops a hint that one level is a, a train, and you find it somewhere on one two. And having played through that level uh, early on, I can't really remember if there was anything that was kind of a giveaway for it. I imagine it's it's horribly cryptic wherever it is. There is nothing that's that. In fact, level one two is bad because the end of that level you have to fall down a little hole to get to the boss. There's no like you know level one one you get to the end and then the like boss rolls in. So level one two has this like guy you fight in a little hole, again confining you to a small space. But there's nothing else in that level that was like that. There's nowhere that I could see that there would be a level, which means that it's probably right at the beginning and I'm dumb. But I didn't see anywhere that there could be a secret in that level. Or it's something super cryptic where you've got to sit in one spot and then, you know, do some stupid shit to make a door appear or something, you know, like most NES games did back in the day. You kneel by a waterfall. Well, before we announce what we're going to do next week, we did actually get a piece of listener mail, which is unbelievable oh, since we have not really mentioned this podcast very much. Uh, Jeremy, did you get the mail? I did actually get the mail, so I, I have it here if you, if you want me to continue with Go it. Go for it. All right, so hold on here. Let me pull this up. This is from Nate in San Diego, and his question is, as a kid, my first, my first game system was an Atari 7800. One of the games I owned was the infamous E.T. For the, for the 2600. I put a lot of hours into this game and was surprised to find out years later that it was considered one of the worst games of all time. What's your opinion on this? Why do you suppose so many believe this game to be worse than many of the other, in my opinion, much more horrible Atari 2600 games? Well, I think there's, there's a couple parts to why people think it's the worst game. One, it, it is honestly not a good game. It's not a terrible game by by many standards, especially if you look at the 2600 library. But, it, but it's a game that had many problems. The biggest one being, as I recall, if you fall into a pit, you've pretty much lost your game. You're going to have to try to get out, and you have to really like finagle the controller to get out of a pit. Like You can levitate as, as E.T. to get out of a pit, which he never did in the movie, so I don't know why he does that in the game. But, but I remember that. That's all I remember was if you fall in a pit, you fall in a pit over and over and over again. Otherwise, I do remember playing that game a, a good deal, and getting parts of the phone. I don't know if I ever actually beat the game or not, but but I definitely played it, and there were many worse games. But the, the big deal with it was that they spent a lot of money on the license, a ton of money on the license, and they thought it would be like the, the biggest selling game in the console, and so they, they had a lot of them ordered. And it did sell pretty well because it was a Christmas title, uh, but because of those problems and because it was rushed and because kids couldn't figure it out, people were actually returning the game. So even if they sold, let's say... a a million dollars worth of product, they were getting back $600,000 worth of game. Yeah, and I, I actually watched a, uh, a documentary that was released not too long ago. I think uh, uh, Xbox did it, 
uh, called Game Over. And it's uh, it's this documentary on the whole of, of just kind of how E.T. came to be and uh, some some little behind the scenes stuff about, uh, you know, the guy that that made Yars Revenge was the guy that did E.T. And they basically just gave him a few months to make this game. And uh, what what it turned out to be was just, you know, what it is. But Atari bet so big on that game that it, it just when it went down and, and crashed like it did, there there was just no coming back from it. Well, it was already late. It was already at the point where they needed another big. There were other things on the horizon. Video, you know, home computers were really getting a much larger piece of the market and, and they needed a big game like that. And it just didn't deliver. Yeah, and I think I think a part of it now, nobody is going to defend it. When someone says that it's a bad game, it's it's clearly an awful game. Uh, look at the but look at the company. Like you said, look at the company it kept on the twenty six hundred. There's a lot of bad games out there. I think nowadays it's almost uh, so to speak. It's fashionable to talk about how it how ET is the worst game ever. And I think a lot of it's probably even coming from people who haven't really sat down and played it much or really played it at all. It's 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 like the Nickelback of video games. Yeah, it sucks, uh, and you think you look cool saying it does, but you don't really know personally why it does. Uh, but there were many worse games on that system. I mean, I'd say uh, just off like the, I had Outlaw. Outlaw's a far worse game. Outlaw's a terrible game. If you want to play a game where you shoot your opponent, play combat. It's a much better version of that same style game where where Outlaw you're on two characters that are about two thirds of the size of the screen that don't move half the time. That's a miserable game. Haunted House is a miserable game. Yes. Oh, that, the the, the twenty six hundred is is just a landfill of, of terrible games. But you know, back then there wasn't the internet, and really the only thing you had to go by was maybe a couple of magazine articles uh, to tell you which games were were what. And just there were so many terrible games. I, I think E T was just one of those things that was the one of the straws that that broke the camel's back uh, with consumer trust towards Atari and and just what Atari had left in the tank after everything went bad with it. I, I think the the worst game, it has to be their port of of uh, Pac Man. I mean, everyone had that game, and it was Pac Man's dog shit. I remember that game it being terrible, awful. I had it on in television, and it looked like the arcade. It played like the arcade. It sounded like the arcade. It was incredible. And then I had friends with the Atari Twenty Six Hundred trying to tell me that their Pac Man was good, and I, I I couldn't even play this. It was flickery. It made the worst sounds. It was absolutely the worst sounding Atari game. And that was one that uh, I did see the same documentary, uh, the Game Over documentary. They, they, I don't have the exact numbers, but, but I'm just going to estimate to make it simple. They had, a, let's say, a million units in the country sold of the console, and they made two million copies of Pac-Man. Like, they made far more than any they could ever sell, assuming that it would sell another, you know, double their console market. That's probably the yeah. bigger piece of what killed it, that console. I would say so, because it was such a miserable port. And, and like you said, it was made worse because everyone, I had the, the ColecoVision. Every other console had, you know, as close to an arcade port as you could get. And this thing was just an abortion of the arcade game. But the 2600, I got to say, the worst one I had, I don't know if you guys had the pleasure of playing this, two-player game called Sneak and Peek. Uh, it was a hide-and-seek game, and the way you played it. You had essentially two stick figures in a house. The second player uh, would cover his eyes in real life. Count. You would oh, hide. was that that game? God, I compl- Yes, yes, I remember this. I. Oh, God, yes, this is terrible. And I, and I remember uh, sitting there so bewildered. Uh, why don't we just do this, you know, for, for real? 
why are we doing this? Why are we playing? And this was at a young age, back when I was excited to play any video. You sit me down with anything, I would play it, obviously based on our game of the day today. Uh, Sneak and Peek still ranks one of my worst, probably the worst 2600 game I've played, but I can't tie that to the fall of Atari. Nice. Not so, quite. No one's ever heard of that. I'm pretty sure it was not the cause of the fall, but many games like that. There were a million, not a million, that's way too high, but there were plenty of games that came out that were you know, just not good on that system, and they were not monitored or regulated. It just was a, a free-for-all of garbage. So, No, no Nintendo seal of quality at Atari no. back then. So hopefully we answer that question. My question to the listener who had the question is, how did they even get a question to us? We didn't give out any way to reach us. <laughs> I it's demanded awful. it. I, I, held, I held him on uh, Google Chat earlier. I was like, we need a question so we can do this. And uh, he reluctantly gave that one, so... That, that's how we got that one. So I uh, just wanted to kind of try it out and, and throw this into the show and, and see how it went. So in the future, uh, we, you know, hopefully we'll have some more questions. Well, how oh, would anyone get a question to us? We do have a Twitter account at, uh, at Retrovaniacs. And uh, what, what do we have something on the, on the website, uh, Retrovania.net? We are on Retrovania.net. We are also on the Facebooks uh, mm. at Retrovania. So uh, if you like to do your Facebooking, you can also find us on there. Uh, we're also on YouTube. You can look us up. We're at Retrovania. And all these links are also on our site at Retrovania.net. And I feel we also uh, also mentioned we had an iTunes review come in, and uh, which is a big shocker. And even more shocking, it was extremely positive. Uh, I don't think they left their actual name, but uh, just a thank you. Yeah, and, and please, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please, it's free to, to give us a review. It actually helps us a lot because it gets us some visibility. So feel free to, even if you review us poorly, at least it's a review, although I'd prefer you review us positively. Um, Don't suffer through listening to us alone. Right. Tell your friends and make them listen to it, and then you can all be in misery together. That's right. That's the way we like it. You can't, can't feel anything unless everybody's in misery together. So, like we said last week, we always pick a new game at the end of the episode that we're going to do next week with our super game uh, selector. It's random. Um, and this week, our choice is... Are you ready? All right, Jenny, looking for big bucks. I've got three. Hang on, Denise. This is my lucky day. Stop! Pro Wrestling for the oh. NES. So, yes. episode three, which should be out in about two weeks, will be about pro wrestling. Uh, I had this as a kid. I think I still have a copy now uh, at my uh, at my house. I'm looking forward to this. Unlike Low G Man, this one's one I know I can play and not hate myself. Yeah, I, I love that one. game as a kid. So I, I know Billy's super excited for this one, and and will be just constantly bugging me to get us to the next podcast to talk about it. So looking forward to actually playing this one again. Yeah, I'm gonna. I was gonna ask. I was gonna wait until this was over, but I was gonna see if we can just record it tomorrow. Yeah, we'll just record it right after this is over. We'll all get a beer. We'll come right back. We'll start again, and uh, and we'll air it in two weeks. That works for me. That sounds good. I sounds played good. this one constantly as a child. I, like I said, I played this just a couple weeks ago. I can't wait. Goddamn Starman is going to run wild all over the next episode.